0: J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 27 Jesus Heals a Paralytic Luke chapter 5, verses 17-26 through 26. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye might know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereupon he lay, and departed into his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear saying, We have seen strange things today. A threefold miracle demands our attention in these verses. At one and the same time, we see our Lord forgiving sins, reading men's thoughts, and healing a paralytic. He who could do such things and do them with such perfect ease and authority must indeed be very God power like this was never possessed by any man let us mark firstly in this passage what pains men will take about an object when they are in earnest the friends of a paralyzed man desired to bring him to jesus that he might be cured at first they were unable to do it because of the crowd by which our lord was surrounded what then did they do When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. At once their object was gained. Our Lord's attention was drawn to their sick friend, and he was healed. By pains and labor and perseverance, his friends succeeded in obtaining for him the mighty blessing of a complete cure. THE IMPORTANCE OF PAINS AND DILIGENCE IS A TRUTH WHICH MEETS OUR EYE ON EVERY SIDE. IN EVERY CALLING AND VOCATION AND TRADE, WE SEE THAT GREAT EFFORT IS ONE PROMINENT SECRET OF SUCCESS. IT IS NOT BY LUCK OR ACCIDENT THAT MEN PROSPER, BUT BY HARD WORKING. BANKERS AND MERCHANTS DO NOT MAKE FORTUNES WITHOUT EFFORT AND TROUBLE AND ATTENTION. Lawyers and physicians do not make their practices without diligence and hard study. The principle is one with which the people of this world are perfectly familiar. It is one of their favorite maxims, there are no gains without pains. Let us thoroughly understand that pains and diligence are just as essential to the well-being and prosperity of our souls as of our bodies. In all our endeavours to draw near to God, in all our approaches to Christ, there ought to be the same determined earnestness which was shown by this sick man's friends. We must allow no difficulties to check us, and no obstacle to keep us back from anything which is really for our spiritual good. Especially must we bear this in mind in the matter of regularly reading the Bible, hearing the Gospel, keeping the Sabbath holy, and private prayer on all these points we must beware of laziness and an excuse-making spirit necessity must be the mother of invention if we cannot find means of keeping up these habits in one way then we must do it in another way but we must settle it in our minds that the thing shall be done the health of our soul is at stake let the crowd of difficulties be what it may We must get through it. If the people of this world take so much pains about a corruptible crown, then we ought to take far more pains about one that is incorruptible. Why is it that so many people take no pains in religion? How is it that they can never find time for praying, Bible reading, and hearing the gospel? What is the secret of their continual string of excuses for neglecting means of grace? How is it that the very same men who are full of zeal about money, business, pleasure, or politics will take no trouble about their souls? The answer to these questions is short and simple. These men are not in earnest about salvation. They have no sense of their spiritual disease. They have no consciousness of requiring a spiritual physician. They do not feel that their souls are in danger of eternal damnation. They see no use in taking trouble about religion. In darkness like this, thousands live and die. Happy indeed are those who found out their peril and count all things loss, if they may only win Christ and be found in him. Let us mark, secondly, the kindness and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Twice in this passage we see him speaking most graciously to the poor sufferer who was brought before him. He first addressed those marvellous and heart cheering words to him. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Afterwards he adds words which, in point of comfort, must have been second only to the blessing of forgiveness. Arise, he says, and take up your mat— and go home first he assures him that his soul is healed then he tells him that his body is cured and sends him away rejoicing let us never forget this part of our lord's character christ's loving kindness to his people never changes and never fails it is a deep well of which no one has ever found the bottom It began from all eternity before they were born. It chose, called, and quickened them when they were dead in trespasses and sins. It drew them to God and changed their character and put a new will in their minds and a new song in their mouths. It is born with them in all their waywardness and shortcomings. It will never allow them to be separated from God. It will flow ever forward like a mighty river through the endless ages of eternity. Christ's love and mercy must be a sinner's plea when he first begins his journey. Christ's love and mercy will be his only plea when he crosses the dark river and enters his eternal home. Let us seek to know this love by inward experience and prize it more. Let it constrain us more continually to live not unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us and rose again. Let us mark, lastly, our Lord's perfect knowledge of the thoughts of men. We read that when the scribes and Pharisees began to reason secretly among themselves and privately charge our Lord with blasphemy, He knew what they were about and put them to an open shame. It is written that Jesus knew what they were thinking. It should be a daily and habitual reflection with us that we can keep nothing secret from Christ. To him apply the words of Paul. All things are naked and opened to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. To him belong the solemn expressions of the 139th psalm, the psalm which every Christian should often study. There is not a word in our mouths, nor an imagination in our hearts, but Jesus knows it altogether. How many searchings of heart this mighty truth ought to awaken with us. Christ ever sees us. Christ always knows us. Christ continually reads and observes our acts, words, and thoughts. The recollection of this should alarm the wicked and drive them from their sins. Their wickedness is not hidden and will one day be fearfully exposed unless they repent. It should frighten hypocrites out of their hypocrisy. They may deceive man, but they are not deceiving Christ. It should quicken and comfort all sincere believers. They should remember that a loving Master is ever watching them and should do all as in His sight. Above all, they should feel that, however mocked and slandered by the world, they are fairly and justly measured by their Saviour's eye. They can say, You, Lord, who know all things, You know that I love you. John chapter 21, verse 17.